What is up? Coming to you live from the cat house in Montebello, California. It's Dre's Geek Philosophy Podcast, the Monday edition. The December 9th edition. The I'm Still Out of My Mind edition. I uh, yeah. Last week's title of the episode was Dre's Fried Brain. Uh, today's just Dre's Fried Feet. Uh, that's not going to be the title of today's episode, but I am once again exhausted out of my mind. Yeah, uh, I don't remember if I mentioned it last week, but working in video game distribution is very different from working in video game retail. Uh, I, I don't miss working in video game retail. I don't have to deal with customers, especially the, the, this, this time of year causes a lot of like not pleasant people to come out and buy things. I just have to deal with all the stuff that they buy. And there's a lot of it. It's just a, a lot of stuff. And then right now, our our, our nice little uh, video game distribution center, we, we we're going through some technical issues. So it's been a doubly fun. It's it's just incredibly fun right now to be dealing with a video game retail when when your computer systems aren't working properly. It's just uh, not fun for anyone. It's just me running solo again. My my beautiful lovely wife is not feeling up to doing the show. You guys, uh, if you're not already aware, she's incredibly pregnant. My fault. Totally my fault. That's me. I did it. It was me. Unlike Shaggy, it was me. So, yeah, just solo rolo. I, I, I didn't try to summon anyone, uh, like a Jai or a Pete. It just... We'll just do, do, do a solo show. Just me. A lot of nerd things happen over the weekend. Uh, first and foremost, we'll, let, let's just deal with what happened this morning. Uh, the Ghostbusters Aftermath trailer. That little teaser that was put out. Uh, I guess... Uh, Jason Reitman uh, is, is writing and directing this deal like in the footsteps of his father who did the original Ghostbusters film and yeah it looks pretty cool so far if you ask me I like it it's a talking about grandpa stuff talking about I guess grandpa Egon I'm guessing I don't know there it wasn't exactly spelled out I'm, I'm gonna guess it's grandpa Egon Egon had a kid maybe it's grandpa Venkman who knows I'm pretty sure it's not Grandpa Zedmore, because the kids are clearly not black. But, yeah, Grandpa has, a, I guess, moved to this small town where apparently nothing ever happened, but I guess there was a lot of supernatural activity. Go go check out that trailer when you, and when you have a chance. Go special out. It looks really good. A lot of uh, my friends on the internets today were really happy about it. It's a, I guess... A lot of people were saying, like, oh, yeah, people were crapping on that last Ghostbusters film because it was all ladies. I'm like, no, it wasn't bad because it was all ladies. It was bad because it was bad, apparently. I, I You know what? I, I That's just other people's opinion. I, haven't, I still haven't watched it to this date. I think I have it free on my Movies Anywhere app, and I still haven't sat down to watch it. I think I should knock it out one of these days. All those ladies are, are funny ladies. I don't know how it could be terrible, but apparently a lot of people didn't like that previous one but are very excited about this one that's coming out next summer, and... Looks pretty cool. Kids, the kid from Stranger Things rolling around in the Ecto-1. What's going on with that? I'm sure we'll find out more. I'm sure there'll be a, a much more in-depth trailer in, in the spring. Giving us more information. and Probably some cameos. Of Dan Aykroyd, Ernie Hudson, and Bill Murray. I would imagine they've given their sign-off on this film. It's very cool. I mean, well, My wife and I were looking at the IMDB this morning to see if those names were on the IMDB. Well, you can go check yourself and find out, or you can just wait till the next trailer comes out and be surprised if the original Ghostbusters do pop.
pop up in this new film. So, something else that happened over the weekend, uh, the, the Wonder Woman 84, 1984 trailer came out. I, mean, I, I guess a lot of varying opinions. I thought it looked pretty cool. She was pulling the, uh, some people had issues with her using her golden lasso to be like Spider-Man and lasso across lightning bolts. I thought that was pretty awesome. And in case you don't know, she, she is like the daughter of Zeus. So fucking around with lightning is not something that's out of the realm of a god. I mean, or at least a half god, you know? Uh, otherwise, it looks pretty awesome. They're, they're doing the, the fun little flip on the fish out of water. If you haven't seen the trailer, uh, spoilers. Yeah, Chris Pine is alive after his character sacrificed himself in the previous Wonder Woman movie. Somehow, he's alive. I don't know how. And then it's funny, in the trailer you see, they, they kind of flipped it where like where he was showing her the ropes in uh, in the, during World War One. now in the 80s. She's showing him, oh yeah, no, he's like, I guess he's out of time or whatever. He's like, oh, he doesn't know what things are in this world. And he's showing, and she's showing him around and showing him what's up. It's a pretty fun twist on that. And at the end of the trailer, they see, you see her break out that golden armor. The, the, I, I know that golden armor best as like, she she busted out during the Big Kingdom Come series in, in the DC, DC Comics. Yeah. I was like, telling some of my friends on the uh, online that like, the, she only breaks out that armor when some real shit is about to go down. <laughs> So it looks pretty cool. And then we saw the the wonderful Pedro Pascal. He, apparently he's playing a, a character that I'm very familiar with, Maxwell Lord. I guess he's going to be one of the baddies in this movie. And then um, Kristen Wiig is uh, playing the cheetah, uh, it would appear. So we got a couple of interesting villains and a villainess to be dealing with Wonder Woman. The beautiful Princess Diana handling some business. But uh, Pedro Pascal, I mean, if you guys didn't know... He's the Mandalorian. That's what the Mandalorian looks like under the helmet. And if you were not aware, that's Mando. So uh, he, he's rocking that, that that 80s hair and looking really cheesy. It's quite fitting for the character that he's playing, Maxwell Lord. It's a, a lot of people don't know who he is. yet to be like a real, like, deep in the freaking woods freaking uh, comic book fan to know that guy. I, I think they introduced him in that Supergirl TV show on, on, uh, on the CW recently. But I don't know how they, how they handled him because I, I quit all those CW shows a long time ago. But I figure that's a pretty good segue to jump into. I Even though I've quit The Flash and I quit Arrow and I quit, like, I don't know if I ever started watching Legends of Tomorrow. I, I saw the first season of Supergirl, but like it wasn't that long ago where I just kind of like gave up on all those CW shows. But I do happen to like to check back in on those shows when they do their big crossover where... Was it last year? The year before? Did it? Uh, Crisis on Earth X. Uh, that, that was pretty fun. They, they, they when they bring everything in together. To, but this year, they uh, they they they're, they've gone all out. They're, they're they brought back one of the, uh, the one of the seminal. Like if you're a big DC Comics fan, this is, this is a big story back in the back in the 80s. They did a story called the Crisis on Infinite Earths, and uh, they they're introducing it into the Arrowverse, so to speak, uh, of the CW shows, and they're tying everything together and. The, the fun part they're doing is that they're bringing uh, all the a lot of actors from other DC mediums into it like so if you if you had watched last night's first hour I guess the second hour is going on right now so I, um, I'm missing out on that I'm gonna have to see if I can watch it on the CW app later I was gonna throw it on my TV and put it on mute but I think I would be too distracted looking off to the side going I, I, I there, there's cool things happening over here uh, I can't talk to you guys right now so I'm just gonna have to like find it on the CW app 
And that's, it was all, all the all the commercials kept saying, "Oh, watch Batwoman on CW app for free." Uh, hey, Mike Kirksey, you were shocked Black Lightning, yeah, because it. Ironically, they they kept Black Lightning separate from this whole universe up until, uh, up until recently. Because remember, Supergirl used to be kind of separate since it was on CBS, and they kind of worked out a, a way for her from her Earth to travel to. Uh, Flash and Arrow's Earth, and then apparently Black Lightning, they're, they're, everything DC-related is going to be integrated. I think uh, uh, one of the little things I loved, is in the, if you watched last night, you see Earth-89 shows uh, the Batman Tim Burton-verse, and then you see one of the characters, you saw Robert Wool's newspaper reporter. He was you know hanging out, and you see that Earth get destroyed. And then they, they go to Earth-66, and you see the, the, the OG... Robin, the original Dick Racing, Burt Ward from the those from the cheesy uh, '66 show, and he and he and he gets to blurt out one of his like, "Holy insert weird adjective that makes no sense!" And right before that, Earth was wiped from existence by by, by the Anti Monitor. So uh, I would imagine some cool stuff's going on right now, and I'm, we might be losing viewers. People going off to go watch it if you're watching this live. But yeah, I, I watched the first hour. I guess. I want to see that. I'm there for the Easter eggs because there's all kinds of cool little callbacks and little inside things that, like, if you're a big comic nerd like I am, uh, I, you know, really would appreciate. And and it, it was full of it. It was there was so much of it. And of course, the the same thing where like like last year where I have no idea what the plot is that's going on in the in the current shows. I am a little bit lost, but. It's still fine. I'm still entertained. I'm just like, Oliver Queen has another daughter? I mean, how many kids does he have? I was like, what's going on? She's from the future or something. I don't know. I'm sure our corrections and retractions department, Kiet Fan, if he's watching, I'm sure he'll, he'll he'll correct me and tell me what the what's going on with, with that with that character. Something like, oh, she's like the new Green Arrow. So they kind of integrated one of the combo characters and, and, and made it made her his his daughter. I guess I'm guessing from the future. There's a lot of time travel going on. I didn't even realize the Supergirl show had Brainiac Five from the Legion of Superheroes. Like that, that's a that's nuts. Oh, see Ryan Tanaka here. I'm hoping for Marvel vs DC someday. Ah, man, that happened back in the '90s. Back when they were not. I mean, I guess DC was owned by Warner Brothers, but Warner Brothers didn't give a shit about what DC did. And back then, I think Marvel was kind of still independently owned. They were not owned by any corporation like Disney or prior to that, Toy Biz. I mean, well, Toy Biz owned it, but they just wanted to keep all the licenses going. Uh, it was much easier back then for them to do a fun little Marvel vs. DC team-up. I imagine nowadays, in this current state of the world where uh, Marvel's owned by Disney and, and Warner Brothers has fully embraced the fact that this comic book shit really makes money. Uh, it, it's incredibly unlikely that, that we'll get Marvel versus DC happening on our screen. I mean, I never thought we'd see a, a terrible Justice League movie, but there it was. And then we, we have this whole amazing Marvel universe. I didn't think we'd get Spider-Man in the current MCU, and there he was. And we almost lost him, then we got him back temporarily. So who knows what could happen. But in this current corporate world, I, I kind of don't see... Marvel and DC playing, uh, being able to play nice. I mean, they actually they haven't actually done a combo crossover in a very long time. I think because of the corporate mandates of, of their of their supervisors. I mean, DC plays around with some of the other companies. Like there's a Batman versus TMNT Part Three that came out within the last year. But beyond that, there's just a. Uh, it's highly unlikely. I, I I think it would be cool. You have a Batman versus Captain America fight. That would be pretty awesome. 
but I, 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 I'm not going to hold out hope for that. Now, Mike, you're not going to watch it until it gets on Netflix. So I guess I'll try to not give away too much then. I, I've only seen the first hour. I guess, uh, Mike, I guess you'll be watching it in May. Or I guess, uh, they're usually pretty good about putting those uh, shows on, on Netflix after the, uh, after the seasons are done instead of waiting until the beginning of next season. But yeah, Crisis. I I I've, I enjoyed it so far, despite being lost in the in the in the shuffle of what's going on in the shows. They they do a pretty decent job of knowing that there's going to be people like me who are going to just jump on and watch it specifically because it's a cool crossover. Uh, oh, back in the uh, oh yes, uh, back in Marvel versus DC. I, I think uh, I believe Batman cheated and won. Like when they did Marvel versus DC. Batman did win. He took advantage of his environment. As, as a joke, I used to always say back when I was a comic book clerk, it's like, Batman will always beat Captain America because Batman is willing to cheat. <laughs> Captain America will do a fair fight, but Batman, he's going to cheat. He always cheats. He's going to use his strategic advantage. Cheating. <laughs> he, he doesn't care. He just wants to win. Where Cap is going to be like, by the rules. Although, I don't know, maybe, maybe MCU Cap might not be as, you know, by the book, but... As far as the comic books go, yeah. Well, those were all done by uh, fan vote. I remember the the, the, the Marvel vs. DC crossover from way back when. Those were all weird fan votes. Whereas, uh, yeah, Batman won. And let me see, I think Wolverine, it was Wolverine versus Lobo, uh, a relic from the 90s. And I believe Wolverine won that fight. I think it was like the Superboy versus Spider-Man. And I believe Spider-Man, I think Marvel won. Actually, Spider-Man won that one. I'm trying to think. It was like Superman versus Thor. And I, I think, or, or no, it was Superman versus the Hulk. And it was Thor versus Storm, which is another odd matchup, I guess they wanted to. Yeah, Batman beats Cap by the fluke of sewer waters. Yeah, there's something, yeah, like, I remember some sort of panel like that. I mean, some like weird thing. I remember they faced off again. I remember when they finally completed, there was a Justice League versus the Avengers comic book that, that happened years later, like in the, in the, the mid-2000s, where like Batman and, and Captain America faced off and they're like, Ah, we're just gonna fight forever. Let's figure out why we're fighting each other. They, they, they kind of like they did this whole like written panel. I think Kurt Busiek was writing. And then like, oh, instead of fighting, let's figure out why we're fighting each other. Like, like this would be an even match. Let's go, let's go solve our problem. <laughs> it was like a nice little cop out of like having to decide who would win between Batman and and Captain America in that little fight. It was Storm versus Wonder Woman. Ah, oh, okay. I remember there was some sort of bullshit where, like, Wonder Woman got her hands on Mjolnir or something. I, I forgot. Or was it Storm? It was like some ridiculous thing happened during that fight. And I was just like, what? I mean... Yeah, that crossover. And then the, the resulting Amalgam comics. Because uh, that was like... Uh, they, 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 they melded the two universes together where you had the Legend of Dark Claw. It was Batman and Wolverine combined into one character. And you had... Iron Lantern, Green Lantern, and Iron Man, <laughs> and it was Super Soldier. It was Captain America and uh, and Superman combined into one. And so the, the, their their respective creative teams, they all kind of like got together. They they, drew, they 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 created all these books. Half of them were published by Marvel. Half of them published by DC. And it was a uh, it was so successful. They did it again like a year later, and it was uh, that one didn't do so great. I recall, but crossovers. Yeah, Wonder Woman got her hands on uh, right here. Kia Fam, Corrections and Attractions Department. Yeah, Wonder Woman got her hands on me in there and dropped dropped it to fight Storm and lost. Oh, yeah, I got like Storm just kept hitting her with lightning bolts. I'm sure. Yep, 
Crisis, uh, to get back to that, that topic, Crisis Line Vanilla, so, so far so good. Uh, I like it. I like what's happening. As long as it doesn't get too crazy cheesy like a lot of the melodramatic CW shows usually get, I, I think I'll enjoy the rest of it. I think we get two, three parts this week, and then the other two parts are going to happen in January, which is very annoying because usually they wrap up these crossovers within the same week. But this time around, I remember Pete, tell, Pete telling me a long time ago, I was like, oh, it's going to start in December. And then they're going to go through, go into their winter break like all these uh, networks do and then come back in January to finish off the last two parts. I guess because it's going to go off across five five separate hours of this wonderful crisis. I, I was expecting two hours to happen last night because that's how I, it used to go. Like I guess they, when they used to have the shows back to back to each other, you know, Sundays and Mondays and Tuesdays, they'd, they'd wipe a crossover all out in three days. But spacing it out, CW doing their thing that way. Let me see here. Let let me go back to the format here. All right, Mandalorian. I mean, I I, I again, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. I I people like especially on YouTube. Like when when I when I repost this video on YouTube, I've had people complain. They're like, oh, like especially international people. I guess they're not going to get Disney Plus until like January or February, which really sucks. Uh, U.S. always getting stuff ahead of time. Because they, they make the apps here. I guess, even though like a lot of stuff is shot internationally now. <laughs> you think they'd be a little bit more fair, but I'm sure there's all sorts of rules. Uh, I think Netflix still retains a lot of rights to a lot of uh, this stuff internationally. It, it's real funny when you go into the Disney Plus app and you're like, ooh, I want to watch this movie. I want to watch Thor Ragnarok. It's like, nope, still on Netflix. Not till you know, January. You'll be able to watch it later. Sorry. <laughs> It's like, don't post it in your in your Disney Plus tricking people into thinking, oh, I can watch this now. No, no, no. We don't have it back yet. <laughs> I think, like, uh, Last Jedi is still on Netflix. Like, all this stuff that, you know, I guess they signed away years ago before they, they imagined that they'd have their own service. It's like, whoops. We gotta wait till we get all our stuff back. Oh, yeah, like, oh Ryan Sadaka so makes a good point. A lot of times movies get released in Europe first and then they get spoiled like crazy on the internet. So, I guess there's there's a give and a take when it comes to that stuff, but I, I'm sure there's all sorts of international deals. I always find it's funny, like if if you use a, a VPN, you can like trick your Netflix into like thinking you're in Japan, and there's all kinds of cool stuff available on there on the Japanese Netflix, or if you go into like the Latin American Netflix, there's stuff that you would normally see in American Netflix, stuff that might be locked away. I I remember Pete had mentioned like a lot of the, the DC Universe shows are available on Netflix and the rest of the free world. But like here in America you have to subscribe to the DC Universe app. So like if you want to watch Titans or Swamp Thing, it's oh they're available on Netflix internationally. But here in America, nope, sorry. You gotta go pay your seventy five dollars a year for uh, for DC Universe. Which I'm sure like they I'm sure the people over at DC Universe are very very frustrated. Like they have all this DC stuff. And then, like, Disney puts out this one app and just like, oh, 12 million signups. And it's like, DC Universe is like, what the fuck? We got the Tim Burton Batman movies? We get the Superman movies? I'm like, oh, you guys, if they did a whole Warner Brothers app, I think they'd be fine with all the Harry Potter stuff and all Alien. Oh, no, I don't think that's Warner Brothers. I forget. I see, Ryan, see, Netflix Europe has a far more interesting list of stuff. Yeah, it's like, because they work out separate international deals. Licensing. It's a. You have no sympathy for these Europeans. Well, then, yeah. Screw them then! <laughs> uh, that, that's something I frequently have been yelling at at work whenever we run out of games. I'm like, fuck them! Yeah. 
Yeah, Harry Potter is WB. I was I was coming like Lord of the Rings. That's another Warner Brothers thing. Uh, they they have plenty of content. I, there's a lot of Warner Brothers movies I've enjoyed in my lifetime. I've seen seen the old WB logo in the front. Uh, I. Well, that'll all be resolved when HBO Max comes out, because that's going to basically be Warner Brothers and HBO all rolled into one, and then, uh, for better or for worse, the DC Universe might, app might not survive <laughs> that creation of the HBO Max app, because I'm sure the people over there, Warners and HBO, are like, we need to compete with this Disney Plus and continue these streaming wars that, uh, that, that I've been talking about for I realize for years I've been talking about this whole, like, I've been forewarning this, this streaming war that we've, we, we, we're witnessing happen before our eyes, and then next year the NBC app is going to show up and take away The Office from from Netflix, and that's going to suck. And they might take Parks and Rec away too. And it's like, oh, if I, if you want to go binge watch those, oh, you got to go sign up for the MB for the Peacock. I'm sure they're going to call it something stupid like the Peacock app. I'm sure I, I, I'm going to sign up just so I can watch all the good place over and over again, so I can be all Jeremy Baramy about it and just go travel through time. And watch it all over and over again. But for now, I can still watch it on Netflix. Ugh. Mandalorian. But yeah, let, let me... See? When, when I'm by myself, when I when I don't have my wife next to me to control my tangents, I, I am... I'm a wild... I am a wild particle beam, like from a Ghostbusters proton pack. I don't know where this beam's gonna go. Sometimes my brain is all over the place. Mandalorian. Really? Is the NBC streaming service called Peacock? Maybe I heard that somewhere and it was just locked up in the back of my brain. I probably heard that somewhere. And I just thought it was something silly. And that can't be true. <laughs> They're going to call it Peacock. I know they've been using the Peacock a lot in their marketing recently on their TV. It's like, oh, like, oh, the Peacock watches us while we're recording the shows. So Mandalorian. I don't know if y'all have been keeping up with this show. Man, it's so fucking good. And, I, you know, I see the memes where people are like, this show is just... <sighs> the end. <laughs> Honestly, that's a lot of the appeal of the show. The, the, the child and, and the Mando. It's so good. The, 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 the little chemistry of Lone Wolf and Cub. Oh, I've seen that meme a lot, too. See, Lone Wolf and Cub is this old, uh, really amazing comic book that came out ages ago. <laughs> And people are just comparing Mandalorian to that. So, I, I'm sure maybe uh, John Favreau might have read that comic book at some point in his life. Because <laughs> he seems to be a big nerd. And he's probably integrating a lot of the the, the imagery from that. So, I, I feel like I keep forgetting to mention this anytime I talk about Mandalorian. But, honestly, my favorite thing about the show is the freaking production art that they put in the credits. I fucking love that art oh my lord that that, that production I, i'm assuming it's some pre-production art especially in light of the, the recent episode with like amy sedaris out of nowhere my, my wife called it out before i, I could realize it uh, she was on top of that as soon as she saw amy sedaris come out she's like is that she, that's amy sedaris i'm like no way she's in a star wars like, and it is that hilarious mad woman <laughs> playing the most normal part I've ever seen her play, seen her play in my in my life between like Strangers with Candy and any other crazy stuff Amy Sedaris has done. I was just like, oh shit, that was really cool. All, all the interactions of her and the kid is, are, are, are are hilarious, and the little pit droids. That's a little callback. The little pit droids. That was like a callback to Episode One. Whatever happened since there's no uh, freaking pod racing and freaking Tatooine anymore? Whatever happened to the pit droids? I guess they became freaking ship mechanics. In freaking docking bays and 
most icely. Yeah, that was another thing up this latest episode. Just they just casually showed up in most icely, you know, an iconic place from the very first freaking movie, A New Hope. That was really cool. And then you show up to the bar. I remember this the the bar uh, was a. It used to be a wooher. Uh, I know way too much about Star Wars. There was this like, the guy who ran the bar is like wooher, and he hates droids. There was a droid detector. Like I remember when when three PO and R two tried to walk in, like oh no droids allowed. Um, and yeah, um, and now it's being run by a droid that looks like a KSO two. I can't remember my favorite my, my favorite droid from two years ago. So Ryan Saga, you, you make a valid point there. In the last episode of End Credits, it looks like they wanted to cast Orlando Bloom as the rookie bounty hunter. I, I wouldn't be shocked if that was like their initial goal. Yeah, if you, you yeah, I, I kept seeing that pop up all over Twitter. It's like, is that was that supposed to be Orlando Bloom? And they just found like Douchey McDouchebag, who played the part to a T, playing a you know, rookie dumbass bounty hunter. <laughs> and oh freaking Ming Na Wen, freaking real MVP in this episode. Like I that was like I I remembered hearing that she was going to be in the show, but uh, I, I was a little sad to see like that she was just in the one episode that like the shithead shot her and <laughs> left her to die. I'm like pretty pissed off about that. I'm like, oh come on, she's a pretty badass actress. It's like Mulan, Agent May. Come on, bullshit. A little mad. Sorry, spoilers. 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 But yeah, I, I I enjoy the episode. It's, it's a freaking western. You get like, you can give me Star Wars plus western plus Baby Yoda. It's just like I love this show so much. It's like it just it warms my heart. I look forward to Friday. I, I don't know. Like, we only got a couple left, I think. But I, I look forward to Friday. Like oh, me and me and the wife, we're so excited. Like oh, Mandalorian. As soon as I get home from work, we finish dinner. Boom. Shoot her shoot her phone. Onto, onto our TV here and watch some Mandalorian. Ah, like like once it's over, I think I'm just gonna like spend one whole Saturday and just binge watch the entire thing all over again and just revel in it. Another little thing that I love is that is that little uh, that little intro they have now. I guess I, I I'm gonna assume they're gonna have it at the start of Rise of Sky. If they have it at the start of Rise of Skywalker, I'll be very happy. But there's a cool little intro that they do where they show all the like, there's like this cool music going on. And they show all the little images of all, like, you know, Stormtrooper, Vader, Flight Helmet, 3PO, R2. It's such a great intro. Like, oh, I was like, oh, it feels good. I was like, oh, it's like a new new branding to go along with Disney+. Plus. Like, here's a branding of Star Wars. Like, it came up, like, like, a lot of people shit on Disney for a lot of their corporatization. But they knew how, they knew how to do some slick-ass shit when it comes to, like, production. It's like the same thing, like, a lot of people shit on WWE for, for, for being a bad product, but they can produce a good video package. <laughs> like, they can put together, they can weave a story together in, like, five minutes. Like, get you caught up on something. Can they put together a three-hour program that's entertaining? No. But can they make a, a cool documentary? Yes. Yes, they can. So it's, it's the same. Like, sometimes these content producers, they're not good at some things, but they're great at others. Ah, man. You know, this is a lot harder doing it by yourself. I, I, I'm glad that I got, I got we got Ryan and Mike and Kiet here. I, thank you guys for, for being here. You guys have helped make this a little bit easier. Cause fl- flying solo on a podcast. Like, I know Mark Marin does it for like five, ten minutes at the beginning of his podcast. But overall, 
like this is rough. I don't know how, how a solo podcaster can do this. Eh? Yeah, bouncing a conversation off of, of another person. That's why I've always had a old, good old Pete here. I, I didn't want to summon Jai over here because like, I always feel bad making someone drive a long distance to come here and do the show. And then, but that's why we're here solo rolo today. You know, l- let me tell you some of the weird shit I saw get sold today at work. <laughs> off the top of my head, because I, I like, again, like I, I work at a video game distributor. I, I, we, we sell a lot of games. And right now in the holidays, we sell, we're selling a shitload. But man, we're selling some weird fucking game, Like stuff that like, why is this selling? I'm like, I, I don't understand. Like, like the one that really threw me off today is somebody bought Sega Sports World Series 2K3 for the original Xbox. A baseball game from, no, not Xbox 360, not Xbox One. I'll see you right now. My wife will figure out how to teleport someday. Uh, yeah, so they'll figure out teleportation at some point. Yeah, somebody bought a copy of Sega Sports World Series Baseball 2K3. Uh, today, me and my boss, we were pulling the games, and we're just, like, laughing our asses off at some of the stuff that people were buying. Like, what in the world? Especially like, in, the, in the DS section. Uh, again, like, I, I don't know if I mentioned a lot. Chicken Shoot. Chicken Shoot again. It keeps selling every day. It's terrible DS game, and also on the Wii. Somebody bought it. Uh, the other day, Team Elimination Games on the Wii. There's like... Even though... Okay, I'm, I'm here rocking my Wii U jacket. I worked for Nintendo for seven years. Take a drink if you haven't already. There's a lot of shit that came out on the Wii. Because that was the market... When you're the market leader, garbage games come out. I guess now it's all digitally. <laughs> I guess PS4 doesn't have to worry about publishing garbage games. They just get all posted on the, on the PlayStation Store and on the Xbox live marketplace and on the on the nintendo switch store um all these garbage games are just digital now and then, or i think a lot of them get turned into mobile games <laughs> like fam- games on my phone now, there's a lot of good mobile games but a lot of these garbage games but back in the olden times <laughs> pre-download pre-cell phone there was a lot of garbage games and i am like shocked to no end that we sell them like my boss likes to joke that we primarily sell garbage. It's like this games that are not inherently good, but there are people out there buying 16-year-old sports games. Games from eons ago. And in, in the Wii and the, the Wii and the DS, being market leaders, they're they are culprits of that era of having a lot of shovelware. Uh, for those of you who don't know what that term is, shovelware is a bunch of like software that is Garbage. The entire intent is just to try to trick people into buying it and and making a quick buck. This is not good games being sold. But yeah, my boss, he has a lot of not good games. We have good games. Don't get me wrong. There, there's some good shit available uh, at our place. But man, I, I am just astounded at like all these. There's all these Cabela hunting games. We sell more Cabela hunting games. In like these like three weeks, then we sell the entire year, like across multiple systems. Someone bought a bowling game for the Wii U, which made me think. You know what? There was a very un- unrecognized demographic there of people who wanted simple sports games like the old Wii Sports on the Wii U. I'm sure a lot of people could. You know, although I guess the fatal flaw is people could just stick their Wii Sports game into the Wii U and play that. But I guess right now people maybe they can't find their Wii their Wii Sports disc and. 
Somebody bought Brunswick Pro Bowling for the Wii U today. Barbie's Dreamhouse for the Wii U. We sold a lot of Wii U games. People are buying old Just Dances from like 2008. <laughs> and like across generations, we're like, well, we haven't sold Just Dance 2014 in eight months. And hello, we sold 15 of them for the Wii U. And the one, like, I, I'm going to have to make a, a Dre's Retro Game Minute on Just Dance 2020 for the Wii. A brand new game came out for a system that's been dead for seven years. It's insane. It's like, Ubisoft is like, there's enough people out there with functioning Wiis that's, that, that there was a demand for a, taking the latest version of Just Dance, which is on the... I'm sure it's on the Switch, so I'm sure it's on the PS4, I'm sure it's on the Xbox One, and also the original Wii. And we're selling them. Uh, another weird game that I noticed, uh, I, I don't know how many of you are as, as old as me, I'm 40. There was a game back in the olden days on the Sega Genesis called Mutant League Football. Electronic Arts made this game. They basically took a they took a whatever that year's Madden game, and they kind of changed it to just be kind of all like mutants. And honestly, it was one of my favorite games when I was a kid. It was hilarious. You could just do trick plays where you just blow people up with the football. You could deliberately just commit penalties. You can kill the other players on the team. Like let's say, oh man, that receiver is really kicking my ass. You just keep running your biggest players, and you get this big troll and just run right there. Like, usually the wide receivers were all skeletons. Bah! Take them out. Crush them. Yeah, so there, there's apparently a new Mutant League game has come out. Not by EA, but like someone else. Yeah, Mutant League Hockey. That game apparently is incredibly rare. Huh. Judy Lynn is suggesting that there should be a cardboard cutout of Rosa right here. Maybe it <laughs> make my life easier. <laughs> How about I bring Yogi up here? Hey, Yogi, you want to come up here? Yeah, Mutant League Hockey. I really enjoyed that game. Although that one was not as fun. I think because EA took one of their hockey games. They took I'm sure like NHL 95 or NHL 96 and turned that into a Mutant League game where you just deliberately commit penalties and all kinds of crazy stuff. So apparently some company, is I guess they got their hands on the license or maybe there is, maybe EA doesn't retain that license anymore and they created a Mutant Football League or Mutant League, Mutant League Football, or I don't think they call it can call it Mutant League Football, but it's basically the same premise. And I was looking at the back of it, and uh, it's a lot of current players' names, but all Mutant Leagued out. Because that, that was another clever thing of the original Mutant League Football game, where like it would have, you know, it, it wasn't Joe Montana, it was like Joe Rushmore or something, <laughs> or like it was Joe Another State, <laughs> and like. It was, Instead of like Emmett Smith, it's like Eat Myth, Eat Myth Biff or something. It was just all funny puns of real names. So like it was like I saw like Cam Newton, Von Miller, but it was like or Rob Gronkowski, but it was like Mutant League football name versions on the back. I was like I was laughing like ha ha, parody law is fun. It's like they can get away with this because ah, it's a joke, it's a parody, it's fun. But yeah, we uh, we we got that in at work. I I forget who the publisher is currently, but. Uh, we got we got it in our hands and we're selling them every day. It's like people want to get their hands on Mutant League football. It's a Bones Jackson, yeah, Bo Jackson, Bones Jackson. <laughs> All right, Jerry Rice, Scary Ice. 
See, I, I knew, Kiet fan, you, you'd be on top of this. Joe Magician, that's right. Instead of Joe Montana, it was Joe Magician. He was the best quarterback in Mutant League football. <laughs> so yeah, that, that one, yeah, we, we got that game in last week. And yeah, it's just like, and my boss like, I wasn't sure if this was going to sell, but we got a pallet of it and boom, out the door. Uh, one that I'm not surprised is selling, but I was surprised it came out. KT Slayer. I forget which one that one's supposed to be. KT Slayer. I forget. It was like, which player? Okay, but another game that we got, which I was very surprised that it actually happened. It was called like Disney Classic Games. It was the Lion King game and the Aladdin game. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming these are the ones that were from the Super Nintendo and the Genesis era. Because I remember the Aladdin game. I forgot which one was the more difficult one, but they were one of the Aladdin games. KT Slayer WrestleMania. Oh! What do you call it? What's this? LT. Uh, Freaking uh, Lawrence Taylor. Lawrence Taylor. KT Slayer. There you go. That's right. I think. Yeah, Kiet Fam gave me the clue right there. I'm assuming it was Lawrence Taylor. KT Slayer. Lawrence Taylor. I don't know. But yeah, we got this Disney classic game that I guess... That somehow, I guess Disney allowed the license because Disney, I guess they are out of the business of um, video game making video games themselves. I think they're they've gone back to like you know what they Disney invested money into games, they invested money into Disney Infinity, but now they're just like you know what take the IPs, create something, pay us for the license. We just want the licensing money now. We don't want they they closed all their uh, all, all, whatever game development Disney was trying to do. They they thought they could make a quick buck, but I guess they, they didn't want to invest anymore. But now, uh, they, I guess whoever had the code for those old, uh, I believe it was like, what, Malibu or Virgin Interactive that made those uh, old Aladdin and uh, Lion King games, those are on a Nintendo Switch cartridge right now. And uh, I was like, oh, cool. If I was a younger man with, with money to throw away, I would totally buy that game. But I don't have time or money for that nonsense. So, okay, so I, I want to go back to a comment here that Ryan Tamaga made. Heard physical games and media is making a comeback. It, it's true. I've been I've been reading a lot of articles on the internet, and I've been seeing this a lot. Uh, there's a company out there called Limited Run Games, where they're they they have created a cottage industry of taking digital games and creating physical versions of them for for old men like me, who uh who don't uh who don't like to download games. <laughs> it's something I've always said here on this show that uh video games uh, we we don't we're never really purchasing video games. Uh, back, back going all the way back to Atari, we've always been under the assumption we've been buying games, but uh, we've always been purchasing a license to play them. But all the way up until you know through through PS2, GameCube, and Xbox, there's been no way for the um, the game video game companies to enforce the license. Once uh, we we allowed the video game companies to have access to our systems via the internet, now they've been able to enforce these licenses, and they can do so even more so. With uh, just these these digital only games, and uh, I think people are starting to realize that. Like, I was like, if you buy a digital game, and uh, uh, for whatever reason, that company's like, well, sorry, we don't have the license to that game anymore. It no longer works on your system. They can just send a little code boop to you, over the internet to uh, to your system, and like that game will be useless. And then whatever you paid twenty thirty dollars for that game, useless now. 
Oh yeah, the my my just the, the game I played for several years, Destiny. If at some point in the next five ten, I will not be able to play that game. I imagine in the next like let's say ten years from now, I will not be able to put that disc in, and uh, and play the game. It's just gonna be like oh sorry, the servers no longer exist. We know you paid sixty dollars for this game back in twenty fourteen, but uh, sorry. It was an online-only game, and uh, we don't support it online anymore, so you can't play it anymore. This is very different from you know, me and my copy of uh, Super Mario Bros. 3. I can still pop that into a, a working Nintendo and play it from here on now until it doesn't work anymore. If a company just shuts it down, like, oh, nope. I, I think that, that was a big problem recently with, uh, with uh, a lot of these, uh, this company called Telltale Games. They made a bunch of these uh, online games that are really fun. There's Walking Dead games and uh, Minecraft. Uh, the company went under, and uh, depending on the licenses, like oh, if you didn't uh, download all the stuff for uh, Minecraft uh, story mode, sorry, it's gone. I I think if you've downloaded it, you can still keep you can still keep playing it. But um, some other person now owns that stuff. A, a different company has bought the remains of Telltale. So I don't know. In regards to licenses, what happened? They can just shut it off. They can just take it away from you. Uh, uh, someone else has explained this to me. I'm like, you know, digital movies. I, for the longest time, I loved buying uh, the the Blu-rays that came with the digital copy. I always felt that was oh, that's really convenient. I have my physical disc here, and then oh, I have a digital copy. I can carry around on my phone. This is awesome. I can watch Tron Legacy anytime I feel like that. It was, it was around that era where I was like, I was really just all right, collecting up all these movies. I'm like, all right, cool. I got my disc, but I also got my digital copy. And I feel there's a lot of people who are like, they buy the Buy the movie. I'm like, oh, I have a digital copy now. All right, I can just give the disc to someone else. Or I'm sure it's been has been happening in the last you know five ten years. A lot of people are just buying digital versions of movies, thinking they own them. But at some point, the movie company can just be like, eh, it's gone now. Sorry, it was on all that fine print that everyone just agrees to. Whenever you buy something, there's that you know terms and conditions. So these are these are two these are words that people kind of ignore. You can kind of take it for granted, and you know, it's like your 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 digital movie can suddenly disappear, just like your digital game. You can't have access to it anymore because hey, sorry, you didn't read the terms and conditions. It's in there that we can just revoke access to it at any point in time. So now, older like as Ryan Thompson, older media, physical media is making a comeback. Uh, I've seen that uh, uh, when uh, you know Netflix, you know, especially now in the middle of these streaming wars that are happening. I think people are getting frustrated where, like, because a lot of people, you know, you can't afford to buy every service. It, it's getting out of control. There's, there's too many services. So if, uh, let's say, uh, what your a favorite movie of yours or a favorite TV show is on one of these services, but yet, oh, it hops on over. Like, let's say, a lot of people really love The Office, and so, all right, Office is on Netflix. Office has been on Netflix for as far as I can remember. It's always been on Netflix. I mean, when when I finally signed up for the digital only way back in two thousand freaking seven or two thousand eight. I remember always just being able to pop it on and watch it. A lot of people, and that's what Netflix has found. People like going back and just putting on those shows. You just put it on in the background while you're doing something else. So if you're working from home or you're just doing some chores or you're cleaning up your house, I'll just put that on. You know, you look over and go, ha Jim, you're so stupid. And are people realizing, you know, you, you subscribe to just Netflix or you subscribe to one of these other new services. Oh, you don't have access to everything. The only way to have access to what you really like is if you go get the physical media. It's like, you know, DVDs have suddenly been making a comeback. I, I, I imagine uh, it's starting out like, like people were with, with vinyl. 
and finals made a big comeback. Now, apparently, I, I was reading this article, like, physical, like, DVDs are starting, like, people are starting to pick those up. People are finding old VHSs and watching those, because you know what? You got that disc. As long as you got a, a DVD player that works, you can watch it as many times as you want. You don't have to worry about it disappearing off of Netflix. You don't, you don't have to worry about your, your bandwidth. You know, whenever me and my wife, we're, we're, we try to watch something on uh, Disney Plus or Netflix, sometimes there's that little, little lag. Like when we watch, even when we're watching something as simple as half an hour of Mandalorian, it'll freeze once or twice. But you go back to some of that older stuff, you pop in a DVD. There's no lag, unless you have a really crappy old DVD player. Unless you're like trying to watch a DVD on a four wheeler <laughs> and shaking the shit out of it. But otherwise, you have no problem. You have control over it. I got my little stack of DVDs over here. If I want to watch Dodgeball anytime I feel like, I can pop on Dodgeball. No problem. Because there was another movie. It was I, I kept looking like, oh, there's a movie I want to watch, and I, I get and I tried searching where can I watch it uh, online. Well, what what streaming service? And then there's some movies where they they're not on any streaming service. The only way you can watch it is if you go out and find a physical copy, or if you happen to catch it on cable or satellite where it's playing. I I didn't realize um, there was a I, I was it Kevin Smith was talking about how like. If you didn't buy Dogma back when it came out, like on DVD, you can't watch it anywhere. I guess uh, because of the whole uh, Weinstein business, that that movie is owned by the Weinsteins, and uh, that's kind of just tied up in that thing. There, and that was before digital media rights. You can't watch it anywhere. It's not available any. You can't buy it on iTunes to watch. You can't rent it on Amazon. It's not anywhere apparently. Only if you have a physical copy. And I realized, oh yeah, I have a physical copy of Dogma because I've always been a big fan of Kevin Smith. And I'm like, oh shit. I'm like, I, a lot of people kind of been decrying, you know, you know, physical media. But you know what? A lot of times, that's the only way to watch it. There's there's a Blockbuster store still operating. I forget if it's in Oregon or if it's in um or uh or Alaska. There's a there's a there's a there's a place somewhere in the U.S. where there's there's a there's a blockbuster still operating because of the internet is not great. And so, you know, watching stuff, you know. Yeah, see, like, Julian, you mentioned Cody. You still need the internet for that. <laughs> uh, that, that. That program where, like, a bunch of movies are available on there. You, you, well, what, like, yeah, Redbox. You, uh, Redbox, although, yeah, I, I heard, oh, no, I just realized that that, that kind of fits under something from work I can't talk about. I learned something about Redbox the other day, which I don't think I'm allowed to, to, to be at liberty about it. <laughs> Yeah, something's going on with Redbox. So they're they're, they're going to be fine as far as movies goes. Let, let's just say that. <laughs> I'll I'll just put it at that. As far as renting movies on Redbox, yeah, everything's totally fine. Read into that as much as you will. No. <laughs> it's like movies are fine. Everything's fine with movies and DVDs and Blu-rays on Redbox. Another category might not be so good right now. That's all I'll say. But yeah, physical media, yeah, like, like, like Ryan Tanaka mentioned earlier, it is making a big comeback because people are realizing, oh, if I, if I want to watch something whenever I want, it's going to have to go back to the old uh, DVD player or the Blu-ray to, to, to watch it, to just physically be able to see it when you feel like it, not dependent on bandwidth. Because now, you know, uh, something I've said before, you know, here in America, like, our internet is terrible <laughs> overall. It's like to try to watch stuff, like even trying to watch me here over the internet, it, it's not, it's, it's not always steady. There's been times. I, I was in a 
Let's see, you you find which movies you really adore. You collect those. Like you you find the movies that like you want to be able to watch. Like like I I honest, I, I can't really afford to buy a lot of stuff. I would I buy before. That's I, I work in a giant video game warehouse, and it's like I was like oh you know what there's games I would want, but I don't need them. Like there's stuff that I'm like oh you know it'd be cool to play that, but you know what I ain't got the time or the resources. I mean I could probably squirrel away some money and buy some games, but I don't have time anymore. I can barely play the games on my phone that I have. I can I I, I rarely fire up my PS4 to play a game. Like I, I play something on my Switch. I, I I've been logging the most game time on my 3DS because I can put in like five minutes at a time in Zelda: Link Between Worlds lately. It's like oh, I can I can do about five minutes uh, on the can, <laughs> and uh, that that's all the gaming I I usually get in. But yeah, any physical media, you know, DVDs. I, I work surrounded by. See, I lost my original point. You see, this is this is the tough part of going so. Nowadays, I only buy maybe like two, three movies a year, and uh, honestly, they're usually the Marvel ones. I'm just buying them, even though I have Disney Plus now. I'm like, oh, but it's like you know what? I'm gonna have my physical copies of uh, of, of all the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That way, you know, when me and my, my when my my little boy is born, he's you know old enough, like five years old. Like, you know what, son? Let's pop a disc in. We don't have to worry about any. Uh, any lag or buffering? Let's just pop this uh, this old disc of Iron Man in. Let let's watch one of Dada's favorite movies. Let let's see if you like Mr. Robert Downey Jr. playing Tony Stark. See, that's that's my future. Me, me and my boy. I got I I I, I buy a few movies. I, I've been buying. Uh, I think I bought all the like lately. It's just been the whatever the Star Wars films that have come out in the last few years, and, uh, and then the Marvel movies. I really haven't bought anything outside of that, as far as physical goes. I think this, this is the first Black Friday. Like, I think I mentioned that last week or the week before. Where, like, I didn't really go crazy. Like, I, I used to, you know, wait till Black Friday to buy a few movies there. Like, okay, cool. I want to get, you know, all right, I was missing this movie. All right, I, I missed a, I missed that movie. Okay, I'll buy it now. All right, I think Wonder Woman, I think I picked up for like five bucks the year before. And uh, there's some stuff here and there, like John Wick. I'm trying to remember, like Grand Budapest Hotel. Like, stuff like that. Like, oh, I like that movie. I mean, I don't like it $20. <laughs> I don't... I'm not gonna buy it for twenty dollars, but I'll buy it for five when they have it on sale. But like this back Black Friday, I was like I didn't even do it. I'm like, ah. Eh. I think mean, I, I looked for like five minutes. I'm like, ah, eh, there's nothing I will do. I really need right now. But if they're like, let's say like like whenever Once Upon a Time in Hollywood comes out, I think I might see if it, you know, when that goes on sale, I might go pick that up just to have it because I have. I think I have all the Tarantino films, and I might as well just keep it going. You know, have my little collection. Can't show my, my 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 young lad that one until he gets a little bit older. Can't show him that or Pulp Fiction. I'm, he might sneak away and watch it. I'm not around. Honey, we might have to lock up the movies. Okay. <laughs> well, I was trying to think. I'm like, oh my god, I have a lot of stuff that would be questionable for a child to watch. <laughs> like, we had a lot of D, uh, we had, we didn't have that many VHSs when I was a kid. My dad would rent VHS movies all the time. I'd watch a lot of inappropriate stuff when I was a kid. They take me to the films because it was cheaper. Just buy a one dollar ticket for an R-rated movie, than to hire a babysitter to watch me for two hours. Parents. Wow, I, I've, I've somehow managed to get fifty plus minutes out. I, I wasn't sure I was going to be able to do this by myself, but you know what? I didn't do it by myself. I have to thank you guys. You, everyone who, who chimed in here, we got Judy and Mike Kirksey and Kiet Fan and Ryan Tanaka. All y'all chimed in. Thank you so much. 
for, for keeping the conversation going with me. The rest of you who are lurking and watching, I appreciate you guys as well. Um, I, you know, Daniel Wong, see right there with the likes. I know you're I know you're there for me, buddy. Yeah, thank you for thank you for being here. Thank you for watching. Um, we're here. We're here every Monday night, whether if I have to do this by myself, whether I got my wife, whether I get one of my one of my other friends to come in. Right here, always here, talk about what's going on in the world of Neurodom and a lot of times it's what's going on in my world. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Uh, remember, you can always follow me at DreGP Podcast. Uh, that, that works on Twitter. That works on Instagram. I've been tweeting a lot more lately than before. I've been getting really good at this Twitter business. I'm getting retweeted by by wrestling journalists. It's fun when I talk about some funny shit and then it gets retweeted and other people get to see how wacky and loony I am. And then on Instagram, I got to get better at Instagram. See, it's funny. I, I put more energy into Twitter and my Instagram game is like kind of falling off. So I got to find a way to balance this. <laughs> I have to balance this whole social media business. I haven't been posting enough. I, you know, we just do the posts here on the, these Monday night posts here on Facebook. I had to post a little bit more. It's a whole thing. I, I don't I don't know how I'm going to do all this when, when the baby's here. I'm, I'm going to have to baby Bjorn the child here and then put a little blue dot over his face. <laughs> I don't know. We'll, we'll see how that goes in, in, in five weeks when when the expected arrival is a... Oh, see right there. My wife says dinner is ready. That, 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 that's good. That's a good sign for me to wrap things up. Add EV Podcast. Remember, you can always watch these. Yeah, I've been so busy at work, I haven't been able to post these videos on YouTube or post any other gaming videos on YouTube. Dre's Geek Philosophy on YouTube. And also, uh, be awesome like Daniel Wong. If you want to help a brother out, especially since I'm going to become a father, patreon.com forward slash Dre's Geek Philosophy. If you want to donate some money to the show, if you want to help... Uh, See, da da just on Daniel Wong's uh, donations alone, I'm going to be able to pay for the for the SoundCloud Pro subscription to keep this on all of your favorite podcasting devices or podcast apps, I should say. See, I listen to so many podcasts, but I'm not great at this whole podcast close. You think, as so as someone who listens to as many podcasts as I do, that was a uh, that like that inspired me to become a podcaster. You think I'd be much better at this? I'm good at the talking part. I'm not good at the promoting part. I, yeah, this. Something about me. I, I don't like the. I don't like the, the self promotion. Uh, I I think I need to have my wife do the promotion stuff for me. I think she's much better at promoting me than I am at, at promoting myself. All right. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. This has been another episode of Dre's Geek Philosophy Podcast. We will see you guys back here, 8 p.m. Pacific time, right here next week for some more philosophizing. Philosophizing. See right there. That's how. Sam Zia came up with Dre's Greek falafels. My tongue gets in the way sometimes when I'm saying words. Have a good night. Bye-bye. And for our audio listeners, thank you for listening. We'll catch you guys next week.